This week on Dueling Review, it's Killing Red Sonja number two from Dynamite Entertainment, spinning directly out of the epic Red Sonja title written by Mark Russell. Prince Cyril's plan to murder Sonja the Red is diverted due to battles with giants, but from the battles comes a discovery. A mysterious collection of allies begins to unite. This week it is Killing Red Sonja number two, Matthew. Know then, O Prince, that Sonya the Red defeated Dragon the Magnificent at the Battle of the Bridge. Here's here's the thing: no Red Sonya in this in this comic. Nope. That's not necessarily a failing. I mean, it's it's not. No, except that, and and so you know, reading through this, I'm like, okay, so there's obviously no Red Sonya. You figure at some point, Cyril, the the Prince King or the Boy King, uh, is you know going to encounter her, and there's going to be something, and she's going to get away, or something's going to happen. And this is essentially just a wild goose chase that the Boy King's uh, men have put him on. It's like, hey, let's run him out in the woods for a couple of weeks. He'll be tired and come home, and that'll be that. And I and I gotta say, I was not a fan of that. Uh, even this lesson that apparently Cyril learns, I didn't think was as impactful when you got to the end of it. I think that part of it is... You know, the expectations that we have coming into a story. This is a just kind of a weird interstitial chapter. This has a very, very strong case of second issue syndrome because you just sort of start and it gives you a little bit of, you know, not necessarily backstory, but it gives you some grounding because we start with a story from the book of Christopher, Christopher's Quest, chapter 16. And yeah, that's kind of likable. And then we get into the you know the realization that even though they're about to be killed and eaten, all of the mercenaries or the you know the the men at arms, whoever they are, don't necessarily have any respect for their new emperor. So mm-hmm. you know that's kind of interesting. And I do like the idea of a young kid not realizing what it means to go out on a murderous quest to try and find and kill Red Sonia. But I don't know. Like it or didn't it like it? It doesn't feel very satisfying. I liked parts of it. I mean, I like the general core of it. I like the young man because there's a couple of ways this could go. And I kind of want to see if it goes to the point where, you know, Christopher actually becomes the terrible, ruthless god emperor that he seems to think he wants to be. Yeah, Prince Joffrey. Or if maybe he'll learn something from trying to find and kill Red Sonia and realizing that all his men are big jerk faces. Yeah, which, you know, if that's the case, he's already learned it in this issue. Because He's they learning it. I mean, he's basically comes to that conclusion himself when I think when he talks to the guy that had his eye shot out or was blind. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, so what you're saying is this is just a folly and, you know revenge murder is not the best way to lead your people in and being out here trying to lead your people while you're leaving your kingdom at home is probably not the best thing. And he's like, Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. And so I, I just want, I, I'm like you, I'm very dis, I'm very unfulfilled mm-hmm. at the end of this issue because I'm like, okay, so did he learn his lesson or is he just going to go, okay, men forward onward. We need to go and continue to kill this red Sonia. And I don't know. I just, uh, there's something more that needed to be in this issue and I cannot put a finger on it. Maybe have the red, red Sonia show up herself. Um, but I, there was something here that I was just like, well, this is a nothing issue because 
I didn't read issue one. And of course, everyone's going, well, if you didn't read issue one, you don't have a right to review issue two. Um, I didn't read issue one, but I have a feeling if I go from issue one to issue three, mm-hmm. I won't have missed a single thing. Eh, I think this issue sets up a couple of things. I'm not sure what the deal is with uh, the couple with the angry birds who are, yeah. you know, killing and eating people. Yeah. And I feel like there's some there's some interesting stuff that happens because as the issue ends, you know, Christopher has decided I'm going to be the emperor and I'm going to act like the emperor. And some of his men are starting to, you know, actually listen to him, which, you know, I, I again, I'm not sure which way this is going to go. I think he's going to grow up to be a jerk and a terrible evil jack wagon and that red sonia is eventually going to have to kill him i I, my guess is that he's eventually going to run into red sonia sometime later and red sonia is just going to look at him with her arms wide open and go see cyril it's the friends and lessons you learned along the way and he's going to go you know what you're right he's going to they're going to embrace they're going to give each other hugs and he's going to go home well red sonia isn't always about fighting especially now that they've done the uh, queen sonia thing and she's learned what it means to actually be a leader of her people before it was, you know, burned and, and the earth was salted and and uh, all the horrible things that happened to her. Uh, I have a feeling that she's just not going to kill somebody just because he says he's going, well, I'm going to kill you. She's like, oh, OK, well, I guess. Or did you learn some valuable lessons while you're trying to come after me? Use that now. Go home. Rule your kingdom as a wise man. And he's going to go, huh? You know what, Red Sonia? You're absolutely right. I'll do that. I'd be mad if that's how it goes. It wouldn't surprise me if that's how it goes. It, it would surprise me. I think you're absolutely wrong. But, you know, that's that's kind of the fun of these kind of stories, especially when you do come into a second chapter where, you know, there's still four issues let to, yet to go. It could go pretty much anywhere. Yeah. I feel like Mark Russell writing is yeah, so trying to, to lead us somewhere. He's trying to take us to the big metaphor, you know, like he did in the Flintstones and like he did yeah. uh, with some of the other stuff that he's done. Uh, the, I think he did Snagglepuss, which was just a big and valicious thing, but it was trying to say something. I, I don't know exactly what the takeaway from this is going to be yet, but there's going to be a big, you know, message. There's going to be a thing that you're like, Oh, Oh, right. Yeah, it's the lessons you learned the, along the way. You don't have to go for revenge. The monster is mad. No, I think that that's not nearly cynical enough for Russell. I don't think that's cynical enough for any Red Sonia story. But I don't think that that's cynical enough for a Russell story. Um, I feel I feel like Red Sonia is going to hurt this kid. I think, think that that is some. I think that that is something in his future, and that's what we're building up to, and that's why we're getting all of this. You know, these moments with him where we're like. Oh, well, he's not really, they don't respect him. He's not really the emperor at all. He's just a little dilettante. He, he's going to learn something and it's going to involve Red Sonia hurting him because they are, they are putting this up and saying that this is, you know, this is important to the, few, the next few years of Red Sonia comics is what they're claiming. Well, it's so spinning, I feel it's like to have, it, to have it end with, a, you know, the friends, you know, metaphor would be first of all i think it would be eight it would be atonal to anything red sonia but i also feel like it wouldn't give them any grist for the mill going forward yeah since this is spinning out of the main red sonia story it may not have a huge impact for what russell is doing also my impression i know it says writers mark russell and bryce ingman 
My impression from what the solicitation information said uh, or how it's read, um, it kind of feels like Mark Russell kind of said, here's what I want to see happen in this. And then he handed it off to um, to Bryce Ingman to do the writing. So it was like plotting by Russell with story by Ingman. That's kind of the that's kind of how I read some of the solicitation information. I might be wrong and he may have just wrote everything and Ingman just uh, uh, punched it up a little. But that's kind of how I how I kind of uh, how I kind of felt about this. This didn't feel like strong Russell writing uh, to me. Also, not a big fan of the art. Yeah, I feel like the, the thing with the art is it's trying to be something. Uh, there's a particular sequence that keeps sticking in my head. Right after he meets the Oricon, the blind guy, there's a panel where they're talking about something that happened, and he's telling the story of something that had happened, and you get these figures that are faceless and basically just you know blocks of of color like a little cartoon a woodcut even and i really like that i thought that was really cool but then it immediately cuts back to the the regular sort of art and there's a cartoonishness to mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. that is troubling to me now again that may be intentional that may be because we're dealing with like a 12 year old protagonist character who doesn't realize what he's getting into. So, yeah. and you know, when you, when you start out and all of a sudden there's these disembodied bloody heads and people being eaten by giants, you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, what a twist. Yeah. You know, no offense to, to the artist cause the art is fine. Um, and the artist, I mean, is good. But when I was looking at this, I was like, why does this read like a, or feel like just the, the look of it feel and look like something I would see in a web comic. Well, and I don't mean to denigrate sense. that because there are some really great web comics, but that is when I looked at this, if you were to say, oh, tell me what style of art this is and you flashed it up, I would say, oh, that's what I would see in, in web comics. I don't know if I can speak to that. I don't read enough web comics, but I do feel like there's there's a, an indistinctness to some of the line work, which is frustrating. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's a full range of facial expressions mm -hmm. uh, with the line work that we've chosen. So, yeah. you know, you can tell when a character is meant to be angry and you can tell when a character is, I'm mad. You can kind of get the, the broad strokes, but there are sequences where I'm like, what, what is that? Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Oddly enough, the only appearance of red Sonia in the issue, I feel like is really successful in facial expressions because uh it's christopher imagining red sonia tied up and crying to realize that she's about to be killed by his hand and yeah. you know it's it's a good it's a good moment it's a strong visual moment but even then it's got kind of a, a cartoonishness and maybe a, like i don't want to say a sketchiness but maybe no, an is, intentional it, it kind of... sort of yeah i know what you're talking about yeah and an indistinctness i it's feel it's not highly detailed it's, yeah. And in, in that panel, it may be because it's meant to be a fantasy. But again, when we cut back to reality, the differentiation between here's this, you know, thumbnail fantasy that we're supposed to realize is not reality. That's right. designed to try and feel like somebody, you know, a scrubs fantasy moment. You cut back to the regular art and it doesn't really differentiate for me. I feel like. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, what's uh, you know, go ahead. It, for me. If this story were presented exactly the same with a different artist, 
you know, with somebody who was doing something that was really, really focused on facial expression and interactions and those quiet moments, I feel like it might have changed the entire nature of the book for me. It, it might have made yeah. it a completely different story. Yeah, there's a lot of very light colors, a lot of pastels uh, in this in this book, yeah, which I think doesn't neat. make it feel kind of uh, hard. And you're right in that fantasy moment that Cyril is having. Uh, the funniest part for me is that the background is pink with sparkles. Mm -hmm. And I, and I find that very telling too. Cause he's a little kid. He doesn't know anything. I guess. Uh, so I don't know. I want more from this book and this didn't make me feel like I got the more that I was needing yeah. or wanting. And if this is a five issue miniseries, sure. They've got some other stuff to do. But I was very disappointed in this. It didn't feel, and again, because of the lack of Red Sonia, even if it's just a cutaway to say, oh, here's what Red Sonia is doing, or, you know, that might make it a little bit more interesting. But because we're focused on this person who we really don't know anything about, mm -hmm. uh, and because it doesn't feel like a Red Sonia setting in the art style and the other things that we have seen in the Dynamite series of Red Sonia books. It really didn't feel like a Red Sonja book. So earlier this week, I was telling Matthew, I was like, Ugh, this book, not a fan. <laughs> I like it okay. Um, I mean, it's... There's a difference between me saying I didn't necessarily care for a book and saying that it's not a good book. I wonder how this is going to affect people who are well-steeped in, you know, the dynamite Red Sonja stuff. If you're a regular Red Sonia reader and you have the context for who this character is, what his father meant, the death of his father being a big dramatic moment, would it be a different reading experience? And maybe it would. But I know that the last Red Sonia issues that I read that didn't involve a crossover with Betty and Veronica were more focused on, you know, Red Sonia being kind of a tragic comic character. With some fighty fighty and some intrigue oh, Gail, Gail and some Simone high fantasy stuff. stuff. It was Simone after Gail Simone. Oh, okay. I read it after Gail. Yeah, the last Gail's one that I good. the last one that I was reading was um, Red Sonia um, when she was basically queen and she was being and her whole tribe was being pursued by I forget which group and basically the dude was like uh, come and join me uh, or everybody dies and so that was kind of an interesting story. I read a couple of issues of that series. So I have a feeling that that's somehow related to this, but who knows? I don't know. It, yes. If you're someone who's diehard red Sonia, gimme, 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 gimme. I need to know everything about the mythos and what's going on here. I think that this probably is something that ties in, in a very relevant way to a grander story arc. That being said, I have a feeling that I could step right into issue three and I just feel like the events of issue two probably won't matter a whole lot. So for me, this is a, this is a pass. And I usually like a lot of the stuff that dynamite puts out. So for me to say that this is a pass is a, kind of a big deal. I don't know if it's a pass for me, but it's definitely, uh, you know, know what you're getting into. And maybe if you feel like you absolutely have to read it, you know, if you're already attached to the red Sonia as a character, and her entire oeuvre, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. then yeah, this is definitely something that I feel like you want to get into, especially with Dynamite pushing it as the key to the future of Red Sonja, you guys. But I don't know. It was really mostly okay for me. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. 
I feel like I might be interested in issue three, but I mean, I have the ability right now to click back and read the preview of issue one. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I could, but I don't feel an immense drive to do so. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Not yeah. necessarily indictment of the book. Certainly. I feel like, you know, Sometimes I, I feel like we're being mean to creators and that's not the case here. That's no, not I don't, what I'm, I'm not, I'm not no, I, 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 I don't think I'm being mean. I think I'm being critical and sharing some, some views that right. I think are going to affect someone's enjoyment of this book. Um, yeah. and the art is fine. It's competent. It doesn't look like a red Sonia book. It looks like something, like I said, that you would read on a, on a, on a, on a web comic. That doesn't mean that that's bad. Uh, I don't think that story really goes anywhere, uh, and reaches a, a dramatic conclusion to make me say, oh, I've got to come back next week to or next month to find out what's going on. That's not saying that there isn't competent writing in here. It just doesn't have that hook that wants to get me to come back again. It does have a talking bore, which, uh, I'm, I'm sort of down with. I like the, the well, the to, be fair, Ma- to be fair, board. Matthew, we have a talking bore on the major spoilers podcast and we let you come back week after week. So. Wah, wah. Hey, just kidding you know how, how you did, have to edit how out did we words? how did we end up here this week with red sonia why do you think that you can do something like that and then try and transition <laughs> me back and let my professionalism <laughs> tell people that they can go to patreon.com forward slash major spoilers and you can do as the the patrons did not even patrons just spoilerites people who go to yeah. patreon you don't have to be an actual major spoilers contributor you can go and you can vote regardless of your status at right. patreon.com forward slash major spoilers. And you look for dueling review for July the 8th of 2020, as people did last week for July the 1st. But you think that you can just say that on my professionalism? Yep. Because coming out over? next week from Boom Studios, maybe our listeners will pick Alienated number four, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Willow number one. We get to see what happens to Willow after everyone was swallowed in the hellmouth. Uh, Firefly number 17 coming out next week from Boom Studios. Dark Horse Comics has, it looks like only one comic coming out next week. Stranger Things Into the Fire number four, the final issue of that. Uh, Now, next week, uh, we begin, or the transition to, no more single issue books from DC are being shipped by Dynamite. So if you look over there at uh, patreon.com slash major spoilers, you'll see a link for DC Comics that will take you to the Comixology site, which lists the comics coming out next week. From DC, including Batman number 94, uh, Batman's Grave number eight. Uh, let's see. Detective Comics number 1023. Ooh, I think we have a preview of that that I need to put up on the site tomorrow. Uh, there's some Flash comics coming out next week. The f- third issue of Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red arrives next week. They did say that that will get, that's a digital only right now, but it, they said it will get a print release. Uh, Justice League number 48, Lois Lane number 12. Let's see. Uh, Oh, the Supergirl being super comes out next week. Superman number 23, the Terrifics number 28 and Young Justice number 16 coming out next week from DC Comics. Uh, Dynamite Entertainment next week has Deja Thoris number six and Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys Death of Nancy Drew number two. IDW Publishing next week. Cobra Kai Karate Kid Saga continues the trade paperback volume one. If you didn't catch the YouTube series, it'll soon be over there in its entirety on Netflix. Uh, let's see. Dungeons and Dragons Infernal Tide number four, the penultimate issue there. Sonic the Hedgehog Annual 2020 and Transformers Galaxies number seven. Matthew, did you see that there's a 
uh, Back to the Future DeLorean Transformers uh, set coming out. The, what are they going to call him, though? Um, Optimus Flux. Maybe. Fluximus Prime. That just sounds gross. Yeah, maybe. Uh, next week, Bitterroot number nine from Image Comics, Oblivion Song by Kirkman. Optimus Time. There you go. Yeah. Sonata number 11 and Stealth number three. Marvel Comics next week has, let's see, what do they have next week? They have single issues next week and uh, looks like a few trade paperbacks as well. Uh, Doctor Strange number five, Empire Fantastic Four number zero, Ghost Rider number seven, Marvel's X number four. Let's see, what else do they have? Savage Sword of Conan, the original Marvel Years, Omnibus Hardcover, Volume 3, 125 bucks right there. Ooh. X-Men, God Loves, Man Kills, the extended cut. Number one, I have no idea what you're going to do with an extended cut of a comic that is, what, 40 years old? Mm, wasn't that 84? So yeah, something like 35. that. 35. Okay. Wait, how old are we? Um, I don't know. Time has no more meaning. Comics and graphic novels in all the rest category coming out next week. Ash and Thorn, number two. Let's see. We also have uh, Sumerian Red Nails, number two. What? Yep. How is that? How are they? I don't know. Don't ask. Bi-weekly. Oh, well, yeah. The story we did, was we written did, in 1937. We did issue number one. Never mind. Right. I was thinking, didn't we just do issue number two? So, yeah. Nope. There you go. Uh, Sumerian Red Nails, number two, out next week. Doodleville, the graphic novel for $13. Dryad number three. Grim Fairy Tales number 38. Uh, Legend of Dororo and Hayakayamaru. Monster Men number one. No one, no one's rose number three. Once, a tom, once Upon a Space Time graphic novel volume one. Old Haunts number two. Rick and Morty trade paperback volume 11. Uh, what else do we have? Splatoon, the Magna graphic ma manga graphic novel, volume nine, nine of those already. And Witch's Printing Office graphic novel, volume two, for fifteen bucks. That's just a sample of some of the comics coming out next week. As Matthew said, head over to Patreon.com/slash/MajorSpoilers and uh, can cast we get your away vote? from the Red Sonia and the Conans for a minute? I mean, why did you? Wanna, I'm just did asking. You talk you know, about a soliloquy. Oh. That's whatever they, they want. What they vote. If they want, if they want Red Sonia, if they want Sumerian Red Nails, or if they want, uh, actually, there's only the one Red Sonia book out next week. Oh well, good. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, let me double check here. What was the Red Sonia book out next week? Uh, it is no Red Sonia book. It's Deja Thores and the Death of Nancy Drew. So uh, those are the two books coming out next week. So maybe uh, there's also a James Bond Double Seven cool crossover. <laughs> Nancy Drew and Deja Thores. Yeah. Uh. I would probably see with the success of um, Red Sonia Vampirilla versus meets uh, Betty and Veronica. I would bet that Deja Thoris would probably cross over into an Archie comic at some point. Deja Thoris meets Jughead or something. Deja Thoris and Moose. Deja, Deja Thoris and Mr. Weatherby. I would like to see Deja Thoris hanging out with Katie Keene because she's oh, yeah, a naked that be, woman. That would be pretty she good. Can try on Katie's yeah, clothes. Yeah, Katie's always trying to uh, give her different clothing options to wear. And Deja's like, I'm naked, dude. And also completely red. Which Is will she be red? Interesting. I thought she was like... Yeah, they don't... So that's a problem with, you know, if you read the books, she is a red Martian, right? So she is red. She's got dark red skin. Uh, the green Martians, uh, Tars Tarkas, is green. So he's got green skin. 
problem right, he's like is nine feet tall with arms. Yeah, yeah, with like four arms, uh, and also a second set of arms that have four arms. Uh, but what happens was um, the people that do the covers don't paint her as red. They paint her as a, a, a white person because John Carter is a white person. Uh, so when you look at all that stuff in the original um, stories and the original art that went with that, uh, they totally try to paint out the fact that she is a red Martian. Now, I know in one of the Dynamite books, I forget which one, she always comes off as hyper pink in the Dynamite yeah. books, but I still think on the cover, she's still painted as a the, white woman. The last one I read had her uh, looking like, you know, basically a human person of color. Uh, maybe someone in a, a Hispanic or, or of an Arabic. Mm. Yeah, definitely, know, definitely yeah, the covers. She, definitely the covers have her. Great. I mean, yeah, definitely the covers don't have her uh, that way, and that's that's just a problem. I don't with... know that she's is she red red or is she like yeah yeah she's supposed red? to be like red red, like the red sands of Mars red. Mm, I don't know. That yeah. sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, that's how uh, you get, you take it up with uh, with what's his face Edgar Rice Burroughs. Edgar Rice Burroughs. And, uh, you know he's dead, right? Are you sure? You sure he didn't Pretty just go sure. into hiding? Fake he his died own in death? like 1950, dude. He's he's dead, 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 and he's dead, dead, dead. Uh, maybe. He was born in the 18. 1870- oh yeah, he was like born in 1875. That dude is was old when when he was born. That's that's what's the cool thing about Edgar Rice Burroughs is you know he he was born old. No, no, not that he was born old. That but when we think of pulp stuff. And we've talked about this before in the show. When we talk about pulp stuff, the pulp stuff happens in, we think, in like the 1919s through the 1930s, right? We think of that as, certainly that is the heyday or the height of uh, pulp fiction. But, you know, he's writing Tarzan in like, what is it, 18 or 1911 or something, 1904 or something like that. And it's just like, wow, um, he was the precursor to everything pulp. Yeah. And like uh, almost a decade uh, before Tarzan. before that. Tarzan's 1912, because Tarzan comes after Zorro, but uh, before What's-His-Face with the head. Yes, 1911 is the, uh, I believe, is yeah. the uh, Tarzan and then I think Burroughs did that. Um, it's not, uh, I can't even remember. It's like the journey to the center of the earth thing, the Pellucidar thing. Um, what's that about? That's like I have no idea. something. Yeah, but I'm saying that when you look at when Tarzan came out, right, almost a decade before we think of pulp pulp stories. So this is definitely a precursor to a lot of that stuff. Well, I suppose. I mean, when you say pulp to me, the first thing that pops into my head is like 1894. I'm like, yeah, probably I would start with the Scarlet Pimpernel because you and know not. She, Sure. That's then 1905. You, you can go even for you. Yeah, sure. If you want to go and say, oh, what's an even precursor to pulp? Yeah, you could say the Scarlet Pimpernel was the precursor to that. And the man in the Iron Mask was a precursor to that. I mean, it's it's all an evolution. But when you think of the pulpy stuff that you see in the pulpy magazines, not in books, but in the pulpy magazines, you got to look at Tarzan uh, as a as a good basis for that stuff. And especially when you think of Edgar Rice Burroughs as kind of the oh, yeah. uh, grandfather of of pulp writers. Um, yeah, he's, he's doing stuff before, uh, before, um, uh, Conan comes around. He's doing stuff before Doc Savage comes around. Uh, yep. he's doing stuff before you see, uh, the spider or before you see the shadow, 
Uh, so yeah, this is, this is stuff that is just giving you a, a hint of, of what is to come. I mean, the shadow yep. doesn't, doesn't appear until 1930. So if you're going from Tarzan to the shadow, you're looking at, you know, 19 years or something like that, almost 20 years. Yeah. So it's, ways. yeah. Anyway. Hey, uh, Hey, all you kids over there in the discord, look at all, look at all the <laughs> hey, kids at their discord. Kids. Kevin Eleven's over there. Pleasant Doom is over there. The true Alec is over there. I think Tixura was hanging out over there. Listeners, you too can come and hang out and listen to us record this show live every Thursday night, eight o'clock PM central time. Adjust your calendars and your times accordingly, depending on where you live. You can come ha and hang out in our Patreon-only Discord channel and listen to us record the show live and talk to you before the show and after the show and all sorts of other good things. All you got to do is become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash major spoilers at the silver level or higher, and then you can connect your Patreon account to your Discord account, and then you're in, and everybody's so welcoming, everybody's so nice. Major Spoilers Discord has very little, very little conflict over there. Everybody's really cool, and I think you would want to go and hang out with some cool people. Maybe you'll hang out next week when we come back and do another Dueling Review, and you'll hear Matthew say... Galifianakis! This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.